0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
2: Welcome to the French Open Day 6, I believe it is. It used to be very easy when they just started on Monday, because, you know, it's Friday, that would be Day 5, but it's not. It's Friday and it's Day 6. This is, of course, our podlet, you will have heard. And if you haven't already heard, please do go back and listen to our full-length love tennis pod uh, from last night with calvin betton george belshaw as you'll know our podlets are not always full complement we have incredibly unusually a full complement for tonight's podlet so we're going to work hard to keep it within the mandated half an hour or whatever the made-up number i say it has to be under is uh, i'm joined by george belshaw and calvin betton to look back on what has been I'm, again, I'm not going to say the most dramatic day of French Open action, but an intriguing one nevertheless. Uh, and to look forward to the first Saturday of the French Open, everything that has within it. Um, maybe the best place to start is the first match of the day. It's the match that I immediately came to Roland Garros to watch. It was Leila Fernandez against Belinda Bencic. It, I, I think it had potential to be an awful match, especially as I was looking forward to it. It, did, it was not. It was two hours, 49. It was three sets. It was proper ding-dong stuff. The level was really high. George, I don't know if you expected that to be as good a match as it was.
1: Um, I think I expected it to be pretty competitive. Probably had Benches down as a slight favourite, to be honest. Um, I think she, she, I probably have her down in my mind as the slightly stronger clay player. And, um, you know... Fernandez hasn't necessarily kind of found top form this year, really. uh, Beyond that, kind of one title out in Mexico or wherever it was, Um, which she
2: always wins. I think that's two years in a row now; she's won that title.
1: So yeah, um, it's a good result. I think I I actually I was really worried about the bottom half of the draw to start the tournament. I'm actually looking at it with quite a lot of excitement now, probably a lot more than the top half because the top half just feels like is going to blast away through with maybe Badosa putting up a bit of a fight. But the bottom half's like quite cool, I think. Like, we've got Anna Samova kicking around Goff, Fernandez, even like Jill Teichman's kind of just quite a random name but someone who's probably... Uh, Only random
2: it. if you didn't spend the entire spring building a Claycore model that spat out <laughs> Jill Teichman as a person to watch. But yeah, sure, random, whatever you want to say.
1: But um, yeah, I mean, look, I think it, it'd be good for the game if we got like a big Anisimova, Goff semi final or something, which probably means we'll get Trevor Sand versus uh, Sloane Stevens or something, which you know, <laughs> could
2: be worse. Well, I think the problem with the bottom half is that the four, I think, best players are all clumped together, barring maybe Goff. But Benchich, Fernandez, Anisimova, and Makova, we'll come on to Makova in a moment, um, are kind of all the best players. Um, well, the bench- you were
1: backing Kerber for the quarters yesterday, James. Yeah, that, well, that lasted things, cha-
2: long. things change, Cal. Things change, George. Things change. <laughs> um, I, I really enjoyed... I was. I mean, I, I haven't... I've rarely, just because of the way tennis works, it's actually quite rare that I spend a whole match on court, um, partly because most of the seats are really uncomfortable, but I actually spent pretty much the entire benchish fernandez match on court because it was so absorbing. Um, there was one moment where... <laughs> I, this is pretty rare, and I'm sure I've seen it before, but I can't remember seeing it in person. Bencic got a time violation while receiving serve, which must be pretty rare. Um, and she then obviously argued about it, and Leila Fernandez then composed herself and took another serve, during which Bencic ran to the other side of the court and then ran back to prove what point, I don't know. But she got so angry that she then just hit three winners and broke serve. So, I don't know, maybe Belinda Bencic should be getting more angry more often. Um, Calvin, I suspect you would have had Bencic as a slight favourite in that match as well, but it's interesting to see Leila Fernandez kind of finding her feet on clay in, in more ways than one.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd only have had her as a slight favourite just because of Fernandez being pretty poor since the US Open, as, mm. as I mean, both her and Raducanu have. If we'd have told us in september that this would what we'd be looking at from both of them in may we wouldn't have believed that they both haven't kicked on at all um but yeah so that's the only reason i would have had a favorite but i I think in terms of actual quality i I think there's not much in it at all
2: Hmm. um she's going to go on and play amanda anasimova in the fourth round Uh, she came through a very well what should have been a very tricky match with Karolina Makova. They played an 89-minute first set. Uh, It was 7-6 to Makova in a 16-point tiebreak. And then in the second set, with just four games gone, Mikova caught her right foot in the clay. She twisted her ankle quite nastily. And to be honest, that was pretty much that. She lost the set 6-2. She was then 3-love down in the third uh, when she eventually retired with heavy strapping on that right angle. Right, Ankle. George, I, I'm going to suggest that you would think or would have thought that she would have gone to gone on to win that match.
1: Uh, I thought it was, you know, it was pretty tight, wasn't it? Obviously, with the kind of 9-7 first set. I, I said before the match, I thought Makova is like a bit of a dark horse in that section. I thought she's like a really underrated player sometimes and she's obviously dipped down with injury and it was you know, kind of really sad to see her in tears in the kind of latter stages of that match you know trying to serve trying to get through she played on way too long to be honest like it was clear she was absolutely done
2: but um, she was a set up and maybe probably doesn't fancy the grass that much anyway so i guess she's well, i think she's of... a
1: good grass player this is the thing i, I wouldn't be ruining my Wimbledon. Season. i think she's a really good all core player show, but i think you know injuries is what was holding her back at the minute um but yeah look it it was disappointing, but I think Anisimova, I still probably would have slightly favoured her in the match either way, even though it was mighty, mighty close. Um, and I think Anisimova is probably probably my favourite to go on to the final from the bottom half now, to be honest. Um, I think she's having a really good year, playing really impressive stuff.
2: Um, i tell know, you the so- only reason I doubt that, George. And I'm sort of with you. I think she's had a great year on clay and the model really likes her. But when Makova got injured, Anna Samova went to bits. Like properly for like three or four games, she didn't know what to do, and it was just such like a fragile twenty minutes.
1: I was gonna, I was going I was going to go on to say that, that it, it, it did take her a while to work out. But it, there is something weird, and Calvin, I'll tell you this: you know, it, there is something weird about playing someone injured in tennis. They start like really swinging, going for their shots. They can be quite dangerous even if not that mobile and it it sometimes just takes a few games to you know kind of work out right I need to make this person run I need to kind of get the drop shots you know when you're not 100% sure how bad the injury is at first etc I Mm. I don't know how clear a view she had of it but um, you know maybe more so in the kind of men's game where they've got the serious seriously powerful uh, ground strokes etc it can be really really hard to play an injured player but yeah look at she got the job done eventually so haven't wouldn't, wouldn't worry too much about it
2: i mean calvin you're not allowed to coach on court but if you were given the chance to coach a player whose opponent has just you know turned their ankle surely it's not complicated is it
0: um it's it's a strange mindset because as george kind of alluded to there you don't see things in shades of grey when that happens you see it as black and white yeah. You think they're injured. Why are they still playing? How am I not winning every single point? Why can they still <laughs> run? And, you know, in reality, it might just have taken 15% of their movement out, hmm. which is still quite a lot. But in your own mind, you're thinking this should have taken 100% of their movement out. And you start building pressure on yourself then. Um, but so if you're playing somebody who's injured, my sort of advice is always to just play as if they're not injured. Because right. that's that's what would get you there. Because it's, you know, you can say, "Why aren't you moving them around?" But you'd be doing that anyway, wouldn't you? Hmm. Like, why, why would you? There's not, not really any point in tennis if you're going to say, "Don't don't let them move ever." Like, <laughs> so you'd 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 always be trying to move them, hit the ball away from them. That's the very basic tactic of tennis.
1: On the flip side, you've kind of got Makova. Desperately popping painkillers, praying she's going to get some sort of boost and kind of vaguely trying to hang around. I think she did a great job in first. Yeah, she hung around for ages, to be fair. Um, Eventually, obviously, got too much and the painkillers, just weren't making any difference, which we probably could have guessed quite early on. But yeah, it's, it's a funny mindset.
2: Without wanting to get into it too deeply, what I found really interesting was it was her right ankle that had kind of been injured and actually it was her backhand that she ended up struggling on which you know sort of intuitively I would think right ankle running to her right surely that's the problem but somehow it ended up being the backhand I I don't know whether that's me not understanding the technical stuff going on here Calvin but my instinct would have been that if your right ankle is injured running to the back to, to the forehand would have been the problem
0: I think it's just either side if you're playing with it i mean i find it strange that she played on with painkillers because the thing is when the, i can understand the painkillers if you've got kind of a little bit of a muscle strain or something like that mm. if you roll your ankle the ankle swells up it's no longer stable mm. it's not really just about the pain it's not about being able to play through the pain you can't put weight on your ankle or it will roll again it will keep rolling mm. um, and so, then you end up doing serious damage i guess yeah and and then it's one of those isn't it you can't the players get slated if they pull out early, and they just they just don't even try. But in that situation, there's no real point.
2: Hmm. Um, it was a brave effort, nevertheless. But uh, yeah, Amanda Anselmova over through to the fourth round, uh, relatively safely. I mean, she's not cruised through, but um, she is through, nevertheless. Uh, she will play, as I mentioned, Leila Fernandez uh, further down. At least Mertens uh, beats Vivara Graceva. She'll play Coco Goff, uh, who. Pretty much she's old enough to be her mother, quite frankly. Um, there's an enormous age difference there. But Coco Goff came through the giant killer of the WTA Tour. She beat Kaia Kineppi 6-3, 6-4 without really breaking sweat. I mean, Calvin, I know you've been kind of looking at Coco Goff and saying it's time for her to really make a big impact. She got to the quarterfinals here last year. She's into the fourth round again, and, and she's looking pretty smooth, to be fair.
0: Yeah, I think it's a matter of time. I do. I still think she's a multiple Grand Slam winner. Um, you're seeing a bit of the next generation, aren't we now? Coming through mm. with with, I guess with Raducanu and Fernandez played the last uh, sorry US Open final, and now you got Anisimova, Goff. You'd, you'd lump them in there as well. Andrescu's obviously already won one. We're starting to see that that next generation competing there. I guess. Mm. To a level that it hasn't happened on the men's tour yet
2: and and I I watched them play and as I say I watched a lot of Fernandez and um, Benches there I watched a bit of Goff Canepi and they do I don't want to kind of slag off Radicanu here without you know really meaning to but they do seem to hit the ball differently from her they seem to have a bit more like a bit more knee bend a bit more aggression on the ball that seems to be their style that I don't know, maybe I'm misreading Radicanu's game Calvin, but it, it feels to me like that's a game style that is now going to be pretty effective.
0: It's it's more, I don't think it's that. It's more what I touched on the other day is that Radicanu is just she just looks too well drilled. It's mm. like everything is a drill. She's look she can hit the ball as hard as Leila Fernandez. There's yeah. no question about that. Look, Fernandez takes more risks. And is, is she looks like the way that she's been training, the way that she's trained, and the way that her mindset is working. She's too well drilled. She's right. playing like it's a like someone has set out and gone, "Don't miss any balls." Let, let, so let, she's
2: let, not let, going for the lines, basically.
0: Yeah, but that's you know, you only have to listen to her interviews. That's what she thinks she needs to do. Hmm. Uh, but as you're saying, that's not going to get it done. No. You, these players are hitting clean winners, but there's no reason why. Why Fernandez should hit the ball harder than I mean, and yeah, Nissimova was a bit different. nisimova has got long limbs that Radicanu doesn't doesn't have. She can hit the ball a bit, and none of them are ever going to hit the ball as hard as Naomi Osaka. <laughs> but yeah, she she's no reason why, you know, she can hit a clean ball.
2: Mm. Um, and into the bottom half of the draw, um, Sloane Stevens dispatched Diane Parry, the French girl with the one-handed backhand. It was uh, a game that Philippe Chatray was very excited for. It was a match that Philippe Chattier did not very much enjoy. Uh, it was very one-sided, and that's kind of just what happens when the world number 97 comes to the end of her run. Um, Sloane Stevens will now play Jill Teichman, the Swiss left-hander who beat Victoria Azarenka 10-5 in a match tie-break uh, at the end of the third set. I mean, George, it was I was watching it, and then I had to run out and do a press conference, and I came back, and Jill Teichman was answering questions about how well she'd won. I mean... You know, Victoria Azarenka's been around. You've got to play pretty good pressure tennis to beat her in that situation, haven't you?
1: You do, yeah. I mean, I, I fancy tightman before the match, uh, to be honest. Like, I wasn't really... Never been that convinced by Azarenka on clay, and I think tightman's kind of taken the step forward. But in this sort of really tight match, you'd kind of fancy Azarenka, you know, the mm. experience of kind of feeling the moment, getting it done. So, serious credit to Teichmann. And I think, you know... She's going to be tough to beat in this this half. I mean, as I said before, I hope it is golf in the semi finals because I think this is a really good chance for her to keep announcing herself and kind of get a slow start to the year back on track. Uh, but you, you couldn't really knock it if Titan was the player who goes on to the semis or even the final because she's playing really consistently well over the last year and, and kind of from nowhere, to be honest. Like, mm. I don't think anyone saw her being a, a top. Twenty, possibly top 10 player who knows by the end of this tournament um in terms of like like a regular consistent player i think yeah that's a that's a a solid solid top 10 top 20 player you know i think she's a good top 50 player beforehand but yeah i think she's really really improved and good, good
2: on her yes i mean she's come in with like a significant number of wins on clay as well like she won four matches in madrid she won three matches in rome you know she's come in with decent form under her, which I always think is is really important, especially in WTA where it is only best two or three.
1: And runs at decent size events, kind of last year yep. as well. I think I think that always does just help in terms of building a bit of confidence, belief you can do it when it mm-hmm. really matters. So
2: yeah, those fourth round matchups we will see, of course, on Sunday, and we'll talk a little bit more about in Saturday's podlet. Um, let's talk about what we've got in the women's draw tomorrow which is the top half in the third round. Um, I'm going to mention that Igor Shontek is playing Danka Kovinic, and that is all we need to say about that. Uh, we can move on swiftly because there is no one who doesn't know the result of that match already. Uh, Zheng Quin Wen is playing Elise Corne, uh, the winner of which plays Shontek, and... Um, I think it's largely irrelevant who wins that match, and therefore I'm kind of going to move past it. Like I'm sure the French crowd will get very excited about it; it'll be a big deal. Um, it's on Chatrier. There really is no proper relevance to the result. I really want to look at kind of section three and four, really, because I think this is where the contenders to beat Chante can going to come from. It's where her semi-final opponent is going to come from. Palabedosa has probably her biggest test of the tournament so far against. Veronica, Kudamatova, Madison Keys against Elena Rybakina, Shelby Rogers against Darek Kasatkina, and Kamila Georgie against Aryna Sabalenka. If we have to pick from one of those four ties, someone to give Svontek the best game, who do we think it is? Georgie, you go first. Badosa, definitely. And um, why?
1: Because she's. Been in really good form over the last year, and she's naturally built for the player. I think she's, mm. yeah, I think she she's the player I definitely think would kind of give her the best game. And also, again, kind of t- similarly to what I was just saying about Tightman, there, you know, bodoza has been to big finals, big, you know, even more than Tightman. You know, she's really established herself at the top of the game. I don't think she'd be kind of overwhelmed or scared of that match. I think a lot of the other guys in there, you know, okay, Keys has been to a Grand Slam final, but really been quite poor whenever it's been a big big match in her career um sabalenka's yet to kind of do it in the latter stages and everyone else kind of similar so yeah i think uh bedose is the one for me
2: calvin if if arena if sabalenka can come through Kamir georgie and potentially daria Kasatkina, i mean is there any chance that she could blow someone like shantek away no Good, excellent.
0: <laughs> no, I agree with George. It's it's Bedosa, but Bedosa won't test Schwantek either. That'll be straightforward. There's,
1: I mean, but who will test her at this tournament? There's Anyone?
0: nobody. She's she's streets ahead of all the other females in the draw.
1: What, what would and, have to happen for her to lose? Like injury?
0: No, I mean, no. I that she's streets ahead. There's, there's certain players who I think she would be more uncomfortable against. I don't think she'd particularly enjoy playing Anisimova. I yeah. don't think she'd enjoy playing Goff because they're two players, again, I always come back to this, who she would know from juniors who who were good players in juniors, so she knows what they can do. But I think she's got a pretty g- good idea now of how good she is and I think she just knows she's better than everybody else. And she's won this tournament before. Hmm. Let's not forget that.
2: I think previously I have thought that to beat Triante, you need someone who just blows her off, the, off the court. I don't think that anymore. I think the rally tolerance is more important. I think someone who can stay in rallies a longer time with Shontek is more important than someone who can just take the racket out of her hand. I don't know. That might be total nonsense, but I, I flipped I think, on that a little bit. To,
1: to be honest, I just think she's pretty gloriously rounded Sviantek. It's kind of similar to what I was saying about Alcraz a few weeks ago. Like, I, I don't look at any part of Sviantek's game and be like, yeah, that's a serious, significant hole. There's going to be a certain type of player she plays against who she's going to really struggle against. You know, there are, there are players out there who can have a, a perfect day and beat her. And, you know, she's we saw her lose to Danielle Collins at the Australian Open. Let's not pretend she's not infallible. It's not like she's won every single Grand Slam. This is still a big mental test in the latter stages of a slam. But yeah, she's she's in an astonishing form and just looks straight ahead, as Calvin says.
0: I mean, I think the one thing I will say is, again, we get... To, I sort of talk about this quite a bit. We get into that stage where it's so long since she has been close in a match that you never know what mental challenges come if a match does get close. Mm. I always... I use the... It's my Andre Agassi theory. I've said it many times before that one year in the run to the Australia in, in run to the US Open, Agassi was in the kind of form that Svantec is now where he just, he just battered absolutely everybody right through until I think it's either the semi or the final against Sampras, and Sampras won the first set and ended up winning the match in straight sets. And Agassi said in the press conference he'd forgotten how to be losing. <laughs> he'd forgotten how to play when he was behind in a match. And it and it, and it stuck with me, and that's probably 20 years old. That, mm. um, But, I, I mean, I also think that if Osaka's fully fit and in the right straight, state of mind at the hard-court season, then that's still a, a big threat to her. Yeah,
1: definitely. I mean, yeah, I mean, so on t- What's been the toughest match she's had since Australia? Was it Samson over? She pushed her pretty hard and she took a set lead and.
2: Uh, Curva. Lost. I mean, since hard. Australia, Ostapenko beat her.
0: Yeah. The first set against. Um, was it Osaka? Was that 7 5 or 7 6? And then she ran away with.
1: I mean, she she six, did. Four, it was on Drescu, she beat six, 7 6 the right.
0: other week and then. Took six love. I think she did the same, yeah, same thing so, Yeah.
1: No, Samsonova, yes. She lost the this is end of April, lost the first set in a tie break, won the second one, six four, took the third
2: seven, five. It's I mean test. We're clutching at straws here. <laughs> <laughs> like very much trying to find someone who might have nearly beaten the Tech
1: And then Samsonova went on to lose round one here, so no, Yeah, no after
2: I tipped her to win the tournament. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, only half jokingly. Uh, Let's move on to the men's draw and look back at what we had today. Um, Not too many shock results. I think Cam Norrie was the first of the top 12 seeds to go out. It's the first time that the top 12 seeds in the men's draw have made it through to the third round since 2008. 14 years, I'm reliably informed. Norrie is now out, uh, having been beaten by Karen Hatchinoff in four fairly tight sets. I mean, there's very few... Uh, one-sided sets when it comes to Cam Norrie matches. George, I've written down C-plus for Cam Norrie's French Open.
1: Yeah, I mean,
2: again, I said yesterday,
1: I, I didn't think there was much in that match beforehand. Um, they could have played that match again tomorrow and it would have been the opposite result. I didn't think there was really one way or the other, just hatching off was taking the break points a little bit better. Um I don't know. Cam, it just kind of feels like he's missing a slam result, isn't it really? I think mm. fifth time in the third round, never been beyond. Okay, a lot of the other third rounds, he's played guys like Rafa and Roger, I think in at least three of those matches. Um, so, yeah, you yeah, know, this, as we said yesterday, for a third round draw, getting Karen Hatchinov is probably about as good as you're going to get in terms of what, a seed out there. Um, so, yeah, a bit disappointing, to be honest. So, it's not a massive criticism week. It's another decent clay court season, etc. But, you know, it's always a bit of a what if. But let's be honest, he probably would have lost to Alcaraz next round anyway. So it's not like I was thinking he's going to win the tournament or anything.
2: Almost certainly. It's worth noting that Karen Hatchinoff is into the last 16 of Roland Garros for the fifth time in the last six years. Uh, thanks to Jose Morgado on Twitter for that particular stat. Um, I mean, I have been saying for a while that Hatchinoff is a... Not a big threat on clay, but he's someone you don't want to play in the first week because he's he's got a good record of getting through those matches. So, um, as you say, George, not the the worst defeat in the world for Cam. I mean, Calvin, do you, do you have anything to add on that?
0: I think I'd give him a bit better than a C. Um, it's not his favorite surface, and Atjov is a decent player, he's a former top ten player. Hmm. Um, and you know, with with Cam's game style, the way that he plays, there's no guarantees. He's he's a very good player and he's legitimately a top ten in the world player, but he he against players like Hachinov, it's it's kind of going to be on Hachinov racket.
2: Hmm. Yeah,
1: seems reasonable. It's worth it's worth saying on that point that to be fair, you know, Cam Norrie had a a set point I think in the third set where Hachinov just landed the perfect forehand right on the line. He went for it. On his own serve took it and then the next game he broke and flipped it around you know we're talking a couple of inches it caught the outside of the line that that's the difference in that sort of match sometimes and fair play to action obviously he, he, he steps up in the big moments as top guys do so mm. yeah, no great shame for cam
2: no um in other results in the third round in the men's draw today uh, i'm going to lump Djokovic, nadal mm. and alcaraz all in together they all won in straight sets none of them went to a tie break it was very much business as usual I thought that Alcaraz might get pushed by corder Corda never got anywhere near him realistically. Um, Rafa was broken in his first service game by Boetich van der Zandtloop. That was as about as close as he got to being tested. Um, although I did note that he, um, in press, he said, someone said, "Oh, you know, you're playing Felix Auger-Aliassime in the next round. He's obviously coached by your uncle. Like, are you scared of that?" And he said, no, I'm not. Um, maybe it'd be quite nice to, to have a test. It's going to be a good test. In some ways, that's what I need. And then he kind of caught himself and he was like, oh, but, you know, today was a very good test, obviously. And clear- <laughs> clearly, clearly he did not think that <laughs> Boatich van der loops, 11 games, or nine games, I should say, were worth mentioning, George.
1: I'll be pretty surprised right now if the fourth round's any greater of a test, to be perfectly honest. I think he'll wipe the floor with Felix tomorrow. I hope I'm wrong. It'd be nice to, have, to see Felix have a big slam match against one of the, the top guys, but I think Rafa will uh, school him.
0: I, say, I found Tony Nadell's comments quite strange because he said he won't be there for the match. Um, And he said he, said he, he won't be there for the match. And he said he'd already told Felix that he won't advise him on how to beat his nephew. And yeah,
2: it is odd, I, isn't
0: it? I, yeah, I find it particularly strange in that The position in Felix's career that he is and that he chose to take on Tony Nadal, he's not like somebody who's 100 in the world and he wants to take him to the top 20. He would think he was was like 11 in the world and he wants somebody to take him to winning slams. If you're going to win slams, you're probably going to have to go through Rafa Nadal at some stage. Hmm. And your coach is not going to tell you how to beat him.
2: Yeah, I think it's pretty weird. I mean, Rafa was very kind of blunt about it. It was the first question he was asked. And he, you know, it was Rob Moore from The Sun, who's, you know, very good at asking the direct question. And uh, Rafa said, he said, Oh, are you not going to talk to him? And Rafa said, No, I already talked with Tony. And, you know, he, was, he, said, he's, he said, You're all going to ask me this, but I, it's very simple. He's my uncle. He won't be able to want me to lose, but he's a professional, he's with another player. Like, I don't think that's the right thing to say. I think you can say, Yeah, he's a professional, he's with another player, and he's going to do his job. But to say I don't think he'll be able to want me to lose, I think that's weird,
1: George. That doesn't sound like he's being very professional if he's not going to advise the player he's currently working
0: with. Well, exactly. He's not going to watch it. not, not, going, to, not going to advise. It. He's not going to watch it. I mean,
2: let's face it, as George says, I don't think it makes make a blind bit of difference. A Felix Auger-Ali's team isn't good enough to be roughing it up.
0: I, I don't think it matters in this right here, but what if they play at Wimbledon in a few weeks' time? I mean, no Wimbledon's, no ranking points. What if they play... U.S. Open, semis or final, mm. what are we getting to then? <laughs> I, just, I don't see how this, that's feasible at all.
2: No. Uh, we'll maybe discuss that a little bit more tomorrow ahead of their match on Sunday. We think that might be the uh, Sunday night match. Um, that I mean, there were no big results. Sorry, George, go on. Maybe we'll do this
1: tomorrow, but I, I just thought the Nadal and Djokovic comments were quite interesting today as well. It felt like they're kind of leading towards, you know, everyone's starting to report, all oh, Djokovic and Nadal on course of the quarterfinals. And you kind of alluded to the night match there. I mean, it's quite clear Novak wants that to be a big night match and Rafa desperately wants to play that in the middle of the afternoon. But maybe Calvin can tell us why that would be tomorrow. Okay, Rafa said it was because weird. of
2: the humidity. He likes the heat, doesn't he? But he doesn't like the humidity. So when it's more humid, the ball fluffs up more, right? And it doesn't bounce as sharply. And you know, Rafa wants it to be dry and like coarse and something he can spin the ball off. And it, I guess it doesn't move as quickly through the air either.
0: Which yeah, and it's it's cold at night. Mm. It's not. yeah. I mean, you're there, James. You're there, James. Is it is it noticeably cold at night? Oh
2: yeah. I mean, I take a long sleeve tee with me every day yeah. because it does get chilly at night. You're right
0: i remember yeah. we were
1: the the french open the one that moved to september i mean we were all thinking oh yeah this tournament's going to really favor Novak because it's cold and awful and rafa absolutely pumped him <laughs> in the final <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah
2: rafa so, spent the whole week yeah. before the tournament complaining about the balls and then absolutely horsed it so yeah maybe maybe it's all just just gameplay but
0: it's a strange dynamic though that because if you think about nadal's game style in general he's the chaser he makes a lot of balls he's, he wants to keep the ball in play doesn't make many errors but when he plays Djokovic he has to be the aggressor hmm. so the dynamic changes from what he'd normally want
2: yes yes exactly and I do also think like you know the spin element the the spit of the Nadal forehand like that's so much of what he is hard to play against yes defensively he's brilliant but he's also a really aggressive player like oh he is hard to play when he is the aggressor at least so is that as well. Um, we should note the one big upset of the men's draw today. Uh, it was Barnaby Zapata Morales, who I've been telling you about for days because <laughs> I've picked him in spike. fantasy tennis. I love him. He's a brilliant bloke to watch. He wears his heart <laughs> on his sleeve. Um, he did when he beat Anton Matusevic in five sets in qualifying for Wimbledon last year. He did when he beat John Isner today. It was proper ding-dong. He led the match. He had six match points before he finally sealed it. Uh, John Isner was making sarcastic vamoses to the crowd at one point because he was getting so wound up. It was everything you want from like a court seven third round five setter, you know, with maybe a couple of hundred fans, but bleachers like mm. properly full to the rim. Really, probably the
1: first time i'm ever going to be actively supporting Zverev heavily in a match <laughs> on monday i need this guy out of this drawer he's killing me i've got a yeah a friend who um obviously james beating me as well is very sad in fantasy but i've got another friend who i've got a, a bottle of wine on to who finishes higher and i i was streets ahead before this bloke tore through today so causing me no, no end
2: of headaches Sorry, George. I've no sympathy, I'm afraid. Um, let's move on to the men's matches that we've got tomorrow, uh, which is the rest of the third round. I mean, there's not. this is the bottom half of the men's draw, so there aren't many great picks. I suppose the best match there is probably Daniil Medvedev against Mayomir Kekmanovic. Um, Calvin, Kekmanovic has made a lot of progress over the last 12 months. Uh, is there any chance that he stops Daniil Medvedev or at least <laughs> takes him beyond four games in a set?
0: uh yeah i think he could i don't think he will um <laughs> but i no, I might be a bit harsh there he's the best player that medvedev's played so far oh for sure i think um so yeah i, I it wouldn't surprise i think medvedev will win but wouldn't surprise to see him losing a the set there um
1: george similarly yeah i you know you, you make medvedev the favorite but I wouldn't be shocked if he lost that match. I still, I still think we don't know exactly where Medvedev's at physically. Um, he's not been pushed at all yet, and Kesmanovic should make it a good match if he can get that first set. Could be an awkward afternoon, for Medvedev. George,
2: I know you're going to agree. I have picked in my um, iNews.co.uk preview for tomorrow, Goffan versus Hercats as my yeah. match of the day.
1: Big fantasy game for me as well. <laughs>
2: You have Goffan, yeah. presumably.
1: I have Goffan, yep. To Goff or to Goffan, you know, they're they're really dragging me along those two. So you can <laughs> tell I'm very supportive of them tonight. Um, if you try yeah. and
2: take your bias out of it for a minute, how do you genuinely Impossible. think that match looks?
1: Yeah, no, I think it'll be close. Um, I think Goffan beat him a few weeks back. Her cats, you know, this is the sort of match he has to has to be winning if he wants to really kind of push on and become a, a top five player, which I'm sure he has ambitions to do. Um, but I think Goffin's doing really well he's fighting hard he's looking confident again uh, won that title in Marrakesh I think it'll be close I I can see that going five sets and being very long and uh, lots
0: of ups and downs also if Marrakesh wants to be a top five player got to get some points because he's losing a lot in a few weeks time Mm. well yeah puts a bit of pressure on doesn't it yeah Yeah.
2: and and yeah it's exactly the same thing as Denis Shabolov said that he felt pressure to pick up points here because he knows he's gonna be losing quite a lot when it comes to Wimbledon. And yeah, as you say, Hercats obviously beat Federer at Wimbledon last year, which um yeah, racked him up a lot of points. Uh the other matches tomorrow, Casper Ruud against Lorenzo Sonego, uh, Mikel Imer against Stefano Sitsipas, Andre Rublev against Christian Garin, which I have to say, taking and I have Garin in my fantasy team, so obviously I fancy him more, but like I don't think that's the easiest match in the world for Rublev, is it? Uh,
1: that's got five sets written all over it.
2: Oh, 100%. Yeah. Abs- like, I'd be amazed if that doesn't go to five sets. And it'll be on some random little court as well, so no one will watch it. Well, apart from, you know, like 100 people on the court. It'll, it'll be a proper, like, 8pm fist-pumping to 150 people job. Uh, we've also got Mackenzie McDonald against Yannick Sinner, who... It's kind of gone under the Ray Yannick Sinner. You know, we usually talk about him a lot in this tournament, but um, just because he's not been in terrific form and he's had quite a quiet draw, um, if he comes through that, he will play either Rublev or Garen. And then Gilles Simon against Marin Cilic. I don't think that's an easy game to pick. Gilles Simon will refuse to retire. He beat Karenia Buster in five sets, he beat Steve Johnson in straight sets, and Cilic dropped a set to Fukovic and isn't looking brilliant. I mean. Calvin, I don't think anyone would begrudge Gilles Seaman one more win here, would they?
0: No, I think I'd probably make him a bit of favourite in that as well. I don't think. It amazes me that Chilich is still winning matches. Every time I see him, he's crap. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, just like like serving doubles all over the shop, like has no confidence in his second serve, and like forehand's a bit ropey, and then I just see him he's made a final of it, like a 250 or something. Yeah. Like,
1: I- I- I am backing Cilic for that. But with the caveat, if it gets close, Simon will win because Cilic will real, really feel the pressure of the crowd and it will be kind of hard for him. But I think Chilich will win. I think you missed one of the match out though and one of the ones I'm quite looking forward to, Rune Gaston. Yes, that is I've the night on. match. That'll be fun.
2: It's clashing with the football, so it's effectively not happening.
1: <laughs> like Good luck <laughs> yeah.
2: to both of them, but I won't know <laughs> who wins until Sunday morning. <laughs> I'll drop you a text. <laughs> Brilliant.
0: I'll be, I'll be watching the tennis.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's all we've got time for tonight. Uh, take care. Uh, thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you tomorrow.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com It's
2: my little escape.
0: Now Judy's the life of the party.
2: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa, take it easy, Judy.